This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Warning, the following broadcast contains adult language, adult content, frank safety discussions, and stories that might sound unbelievable. But believe me, every one of those stories is true. We didn't start the safety well, war, the safety but we are going to fight today to win we're going it to talk for our families, for our communities, for our workplaces, and for our lives. I've been on several projects over the years where we've had workers threaten supervisors, and in some cases beat up supervisors, especially uh, those in safety, right? And the safety professionals probably knew about it, but they couldn't do anything to get it addressed by management or anybody else. So where are the most common areas workplace violence? Usually if you're in contact with the public. If you have money being exchanged, picking up passengers, delivery passengers, uh, goods, services, that sort of thing, have mobile workplaces, work with persons in healthcare, social services, or criminal justice settings, working alone or in small numbers, working late at night or early in the morning, working in high crime areas, guarding valuable property or possessions, or working in some kind of community-based setting, such as a drug rehab or something like that group home. The difference between this and other situations dealing with workplace violence is that these are areas where it's predictable, where you may have some type of way of structuring your work area, controlling the hazard, for example, putting people behind glass, bulletproof glass, maybe having security guards, buzzers to let people in uh, with the rideshare apps, making sure that you're picking up the correct passengers, things of that nature. You may not be able to control working at night or early in the morning, but you can take some precautions. So for example, no one goes out alone. You always have a buddy. Uh, keeping things under lock and key, things of that nature. Under the Department of Labor Directive CPL 02-01-058, I know it kills people when I quote things like this. OSHA manages all this stuff as a general duty clause violation. What does that mean for review? You have to meet four conditions to be guilty or in violation of OSHA's general duty clause, which states that as an employer, you have to supply a safe and healthful workplace free of recognized hazards. So you need to meet four conditions. One is that the employer failed to keep work the workplace free of a hazard. Number two, the hazard was recognized. Number three, the hazard was causing or likely to cause death or serious physical harm, We're not talking something incidental. And there was a feasible and useful method to correct the hazard. You need to meet all four conditions. All, what we just described, those types of work environments, easy to do. Now, what about the other stuff? Now, you can protect people up to a certain point with that stuff. Let's say that you have a worker who is prone to violence. OSHA is inclined to refer to that stuff to your HR department or outside agency like EEOC, uh, law enforcement, something along those lines. Chances are, unless uh, you meet those four conditions, it's not going to be a general duty uh, clause. So what are we uh, looking at here? You're a coworker. You're a manager of someone. What are you looking for in your workers? One, attendance issues. Two, quality or productivity issues. Three, inappropriate or disproportionate 
reactions to things. Some type of inconsistency, whether in work or they're happy one day, sad the next, a lack of focus, uh, safety issues, poor health and hygiene changes, changed behavior, evidence of drug or alcohol use, just overall stress, they're always stressed out, the avoidance of responsibility or consequences, or an unshakable depression. So you need to go and talk to your workers at a certain point, interact with them. That's really the only way you're going to be able to evaluate this stuff or listen to your other co-workers. Hey, did you hear what so-and-so said? And did you see what so-and-so did? That sort of thing. There are usually three levels of violence from co-workers. You have the level one, which are the early warning signs. And these are very disconcerting to me because I think most of us have experienced this in the workplace, but who knew it was like a leading indicator of workplace violence that could come. So what are the other warning signs? Level one, intimidation or bullying, discourteous or disrespectful behavior, if they're uncooperative or verbally abusive. So if you're in HR and if the state law allows it, because that's usually what governs human resources issues, all this stuff, you document that, hey, we have some early warning signs, level one indicators of intimidation or bullying. You have level two, you have an escalation of that situation. They become more argumentative, deliver policy violations, sabotage, verbalizing things, wishing to hurt people, sends threatening messages, written or verbal, and sees themselves as a victim, a me versus them. So, for example, let's say you're on a construction site and a contractor, it could be any trade, but certain trades are more likely to have this happen. We don't, we didn't intend to follow any of these rules, like fall protection. So, you're messing with us and we're the victim here because you guys are actually enforcing rules. Like, you have to wear fall protection at six foot or higher on an unguarded edge leading edge, you have to be tied off, you have to have a handrail, all this stuff, right? We normally see level one and level two. Those are very common in the construction industry, some of the other workplaces. Disaster response places, that's another uh, uh, thing. Level three is an actual event, meaning that you have people with suicidal threats, physical fights, destruction of property, display of extreme rage and or using weapons or other materials to harm others. How do we manage this, especially if we're a safety professional? Number one, you need documentation and reporting. All this stuff has to be documented and reported, otherwise everyone will forget that this happened. Whether willfully forget or just forget that all this stuff happened because people are not normally focused on really negative uh, things, right? If the threats are credible or if they're being not being addressed in your organization and no one's addressing them, you might have a need for bringing in someone from the outside. That may be someone from your corporate office, uh, law enforcement even, if someone's making repeated threats. If someone is issuing terroristic threats, that's definitely a call to law enforcement. As I tell everyone, because smartphones and other devices are ubiquitous, meaning they're everywhere, you need to really control yourself. If you're feeling like you need to do harm to others, you might need some counseling and help if you're getting to that point and you're able to be self-aware enough to recognize these behaviors in yourself. Maybe it's time for you to get help. Talk to somebody. 
you're an employer and you notice all these things, it's really important that you go and manage them in accordance with whatever the law is. In my experience, very few employers want to manage these things, if at all, then it spills into a major situation. What are some of the effects that this could have? Other than hurt employees, and now it becomes an OSHA recordable, and uh, goes on that 300 log, and you have insurance rates going up, and you have employees hurt, of course, that's the worst thing. What, what else? You have a, employees that are stressed out, they'll quit on you, you'll have high turnover rates, you'll have lawsuits and litigation with this, you have um, and some moral hazard of sorts, because now you're not addressing these things. How would you like it if one of these coworkers went and bought your publicly traded company and they show up at the stockholders meeting? Oh, you're not going to believe this. These people aren't addressing this or are they trying to address with this? I tell you what, I've been involved in a couple of situations where people have actually done that. And it hasn't really turned out so well for their managers. They ended up having to quit because the manager, uh, uh, not that, not the manager quit, but the employee quit uh, because they got harassed out of the uh, situation. But the whole thing is is do documenting and then coming up with your own ways of managing this. Avoiding a coworker might be an appropriate way of handling this. Uh, never being alone with a coworker. We've had to do this on a couple of our jobs, a couple of our projects where we don't talk to a certain people because they are hot-headed. So everything goes into, uh, uh, by email, text message, anything like that. So things are documented, what you're telling them. The other thing is this, what a, uh, uh, that could be being done on you as well. Right? So you gotta watch yourself, everybody calm down, especially nowadays. Workplace violence, unfortunately this type of battle is one of the major ones in the ongoing safety war, especially when you consider levels one or two where you're dealing with words, basically. When it gets to level three, then that's a hot war. You gotta figure out what you're gonna do with that. There's all different types of training. Active shooter training uh, is one of them. Self-defense, uh, coming up with controls for yourself. Like I mentioned, avoidance, eliminating that hazard through avoidance. What you don't want to do is take the law into your own hands unless you absolutely have to because guess what? You got folks out there that say, well, I'm going to commit violence on them. Well, these sort of people have a way of making themselves into the victim often. So you think you're protecting yourself when in reality, you'll be the one in trouble. For safety wars, this is Jim Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company.
No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.